Anaheim Disney. Anaheim, California. Hollywood and Vine came to Anaheim recently as Disneyland hosted the premiere of the George Lucas presentation, Captain EO, the startling new 3D musical motion picture space adventure. Captain EO stars Michael Jackson. A superstar in every sense of the word, he has brought new songs, exciting dancing, and creative talent to this three-dimensional fantasy. The wizardry of Lucas. The mastery of Coppola. The phenomenal music and dance of Michael Jackson. Captain EO. In spectacular 3D. Captain EO will soon be the newest attraction at Disneyland and Walt Disney World and nowhere else in the universe. Fantastic. Now, I think the, most, the question I get asked most often is when is the next Star Wars coming out? It's out. So it's in that theater. <laughs> Episode number 149 of Blast Points. Uh, this is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we are done with Thanksgiving. We are back. We're a little bit crazy from the holidays. So why not keep the crazy train rolling and dig right into Captain EO? This episode is here to save the world. <laughs> we have brought you a gift. Because you're beautiful on the inside. You just don't know it yet. We see your beauty out there listening to this podcast, and we're going to let it out with music and dance. So we'll be dancing this whole episode, too. So if you hear any extra sounds, it's just our toes tapping. If you want to dance when you're listening to this episode, you know, feel free. Get loose. If the power of EO compels you, if he shoots you with a, with a rainbow blast out of his hand... If you start floating or flying away, that's completely okay as well. Sometimes it happens. If you eat all your maps, that's okay too. Oh, Captain EO, nineteen eighty-six. Possibly one of the greatest things George Lucas had ever been involved with. I had seen Captain EO 
several times. I I think I saw it in both Disney World and Disneyland. Oh, wow. This was your first time experiencing the EO, right? Yeah, I watched it this week to kind of get ready for the episode. I knew what Captain EO was. I'd seen pictures. I'd read about it, but I have never seen it until this week. I think the problem was I the one time I went to Disney as a kid, I think I figured it out was in 1984. So I just missed EO and Star Tours and really the only two good things that I really needed to see at Disney. <laughs> really the, the only things that matter. <laughs> yeah, the only things. Epcot, whatever. So, yeah, I think that's how I missed out. And then we never I never went back until Celebration when we went to Star Tours like that. Had, I hadn't been to Disney since I was since 1984. So I missed out on some good stuff. Yeah, I remember seeing it at Epcot Center as a kid, which I think when we went, I think it was like 1986 or 87, because I remember the longest line. Captain EO might have been the longest line we were in during that whole 80s Epcot Center trip. And I remember seeing it and like I thought I saw God. There was a gift shop afterwards and I bought, I I had a t-shirt. I had a white Captain EO hooded sweatshirt that I wore to school. I had a giant Captain EO pin that I still have somewhere today. I was EO. I bought as much EO stuff with my hard-earned lawn mowing allowance as I as I could carry out of that place because I was sold on Captain EO. You went E overboard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what was your impression of watching it for the first time this week? I thought it was great. I was laughing and and smiling the whole time. It's super goofy, but it's got dancing, which makes it even cooler. And it's got dancing robots, which is probably on my uh, list of things that make me immediately like something. So there's so much good stuff in it. Creatures, butler robots with mustaches. (laughs) I think there's even a, a rubber... Fried egg for some reason. Could you feel the Lucas coming through in Captain EO? Yes, there's a lot of Lucas in there. It's like a big budget super live. It was like super, super live adventure. George Lucas spectacular that hadn't been created yet. <laughs> it's like a Lucas fever dream where he's laying in bed sweating. He's got to come up with a the concept. Oh, a spaceship and an elf, little elephant guy and some two-headed bird thing. They go and people dance. You kill the evil queen and all the people and everyone dances and you fly away. <laughs> it's like a little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of Willow, a little bit of Ewok's Battle for Endor in there. <laughs> and a musical all at the same time. Join a galaxy of stars and celebrities as they gather in Disneyland for Disney's Captain EO Grand Opening. Let's get into some of the history on how the heck Captain EO ever even happened, how George Lucas got involved. And it's a pretty fascinating story, and it kind of run side by side with some of the stuff we were talking about in our history of star tours episode. Yeah. Cause it's all the kind of stuff where ultimately Lucas selling star Wars to Disney makes complete sense. When you go back and see where the relationship started with star tours and EO. Lucas had always been a huge, huge fan of Disney. He was there with his family on like Disneyland's opening day, I believe. 
But then in the early 1980s, and especially as we got into 1984, the whole company of Disney is in serious trouble. Like park attendance is down. In 1984, no Disney theatrical new films came out at all, which was the first time in Disney history that a single Disney movie did not come out in movie theaters that year. And they had tons of corporate stockholder predators circling around the company looking to buy Disney and who knows what could have happened. It could have gotten sold off or who knows the, the future of Disney was in jeopardy. So these shareholders, Sid Bass and Roy Disney, Walt's brother brought in Michael Eisner and former Warner brothers chief Frank Wells to replace uh, the person who used to be running Disney, this guy named Ron Miller. And their whole idea was to bring in Eisner and Wells to basically turn the company around and start getting all of Disney back on track. But interestingly, before that, who was asked to run the entire Disney company? George Lucas. Really? In the cinema of George Lucas' book, the quote is, Lucas had been asked to run the revitalized company, but had been declined the offer. Howard Rothman, who was the chief operating officer of Lucasfilm, said it wasn't what he wanted to do with his life. Disney had never let outside properties into their theme parks, but the Bass Brothers came in and they thought it was the best idea they'd ever heard. Kind of like we were talking about with Star Tours, to bring in outside non-Disney properties into the parks. Yeah, that would have been interesting. <laughs> a lot of things would be very different. Yeah, and according to this, they asked Lucas if he wanted to take a shot at running the whole company, which that's kind of wild. They probably would have had built THX land. The World of Disney store, nothing but plaid shirts, white sneakers. You could get a Coca-Cola and a Hershey bar anywhere you wanted. <laughs> it's Lucas World. Come on down to Lucas World. <laughs> You stay in the hotel underground and have to escape to the surface. You could watch your holograms of someone being beaten in the comfort of your hotel room. Maybe, maybe THX lands your cup of tea. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I would go head straight to Radioland Murders World. I want to go on the, the dark ride of Radioland Murders. Universal Pictures and George Lucas invite you to tune in to WBN live while it still is. Hmm. Radio Land Murders. The whole idea of bringing in outside companies, though, that's still before the Lucasfilm sale to Disney. You would walk around Disney Hollywood Studios, and there's Indiana Jones, and there's Star Tours. Lucasfilm always had that weird presence in the Disney parks, and it really was the only thing that wasn't Disney. The great thing about Disney, again, as we were saying before, is that, you know, it's between the parks and all the things they've got going, it's great that we have a chance probably to expand that. And, uh, you know, there's lots and lots of opportunities at Disney that we wouldn't have at any other studio. When I first made Star Wars, everybody in Hollywood said, well, this is a movie Disney should have made. Disney defines family entertainment, and in many ways, it's the best company possible to take Star Wars into the future. So in comes Michael Eisner, and his idea with also bringing in outside things that aren't Disney is we need to get Michael Jackson, because Michael Jackson is a huge Disney 
fan. He had been to the parks like a ton. And keep in mind also, we're just two years out from Thriller. We lived through this era. But you got to think, this time from 82 to 86, right around there, kind of like even up to when Bad came out, Michael Jackson was still the biggest superstar in the world. Yeah, I was remembering today, around this time, I got an Easter basket full of presents. And one of the presents was mirror sunglasses with Michael Jackson's face on them. (laughs) I think me and all my cousins all got those as gifts. I wish you still had them. I do too. Every once in a while, I I think I'm going to find them in a drawer or something. And then I realize there's no way I still have them. But yeah, his face, I think was on one eye. It was like his face. And then I think it said Michael Jackson on the other eye. So yeah, he was, he was everywhere. I remember walking through the mall in Grand Rapids as a kid and there was a store that just sold like one sequin glove and they had a big sign up. And I remember even as a kid being like, wow, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Michael Jackson was huge. Tonight from City Hall, a message sent loud and clear. The fans want Michael Jackson and his brothers to perform right here. Several thousand people showed up for a rally sponsored by a local radio station. Its purpose to try to persuade the Jacksons to include Boston in their summer tour. So the question is, can the promoters wait that long? Can I survive the pushing and shoving of this crowd? And can you sell enough tickets in five weeks? for all those three dates. It's all up in the air at this point. We simply don't know whether or not Michael Jackson will come to Massachusetts. Back to you, Liz and Jack. So I guess he would go to Disneyland all the time and he would like always go in disguise, sometimes dressed as like an old woman and he'd like ride rides in disguise. And I I guess he went to Disney World in Orlando so much that he he had his own private suite at a hotel where he would stay. He could just show up whenever he wanted at Disney World because he loved it. He was Michael Jackson. He could do whatever he wanted. He used that power to go to Disney all the time. Dang it. I would, too. (laughs) He's doing it right. If I was a superstar, I'd say first thing, I want access to the Disney parks anytime. And I want my own private suite. You can just give me my own private tent next to Star Tours. Under the ad at legs. So Michael Eisner asked him if he would like to be involved in something in this new revitalization of Disney. And he says, like, of course. They come up with this big idea of a 3D movie that would combine everything Disney was good at, like technology, live shows, music, all in one big crazy package. Michael Jackson says he will do it. But on one condition, he wants George Lucas and he wants Steven Spielberg, which also I would say, too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they approach Spielberg, but he's doing the color purple and he doesn't have time to, to mess around with this. But Lucas is like already there working on Star Tours. So they just like wander over, find George Lucas and like, hey, do you want to be involved in this 3D 4D crazy Michael Jackson experience. Okay. If George Lucas even knew who Michael Jackson was, I don't know if it was on his radar. I'm sure he did. Because wasn't this is this was Linda Ronstadt time, right? This is peak Linda Ronstadt era. He was probably all about Michael Jackson. They probably went to shows all the time. They probably had already met, probably. Yeah, Aaron Neville wasn't playing every night. <laughs> Maybe he learned how to play uh, beat it on guitar. 
Maybe that is Lucas on the solo of uh, Beat It. Again, he comes in with the sunglasses. Everybody watch out. (laughs) Been working on some licks. So Eisner, who had produced Rares of the Lost Ark with Lucas at, at Paramount, before he went over to Disney, was just like, oh, yeah, I can get Lucas, no problem, even without the Star Tours connection. So then now everybody was on board, but they didn't have a director. So George Lucas thinks of his old buddy, Francis Ford Coppola, who at this time had directed a couple kind of like commercial disappointments, critical disappointments. He did like Rumblefish. He did the Cotton Club, which was very expensive and didn't make a whole lot of money. And Coppola kind of needed a big hit again. It had been some years after Godfather 2 and stuff and Apocalypse Now. And Lucas kind of awesomely was doing him like the favor that Coppola did for him back after THX 1138 with American Graffiti. Which is funny because it was they were both music music-based things. So now you've got George Lucas, Francis Ford, Co- Francis Ford Coppola, and Michael Jackson together. But now what they need is a concept for what this Michael Jackson multimedia extravaganza is going to be. And there were a lot of different ideas that people from Disney Engineering were just kind of th- pitching to them. The one they ultimately picked was what? The Intergalactic Music Man, it was called originally? Which isn't isn't a bad title. Based on the basic premise of a space performer who can heal people with music. Later, that title became Space Knights. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Space Knights. It's Star Wars Episode Nine. Space Knights. <laughs> it could happen. That's those are going to be. That's a Ryan Johnson's trilogy. The Space Knights. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they announced tomorrow on StarWars.com. Ryan Johnson's trilogy is announced, and it's going to be titled Space Knights. I'd be like, that makes total sense to me. No surprise. (laughs) When can I get a (laughs) t-shirt? Disney Imagineer Rick Rothschild said he was given three days to come up with some other story pitches. And he had some great ones, I guess. (laughs) One was going to be a, a movie where Michael Jackson goes to Disneyland after hours and things come to life in the park. With just Michael Jackson, uh, which I was trying to imagine, like, what was it going to be like him, like, riding a boat through Pirates of the Caribbean? (laughs) Dancing with pirates? Mr. Toad? Uh, Another one, and this is slash awesome and kind of frightening, where Michael Jackson was going to play a Peter Pan-type fairy whose force is attacked by an evil ice witch. And he frees the ice witch by showing her love by singing. And I guess this is a concept George Lucas really liked and Coppola really liked. And they were saying, let's do this fantasy one. But whatever this was going to be, it was slated to be in Tomorrowland. So they didn't want to have something fantasy based in Tomorrowland. They were like, it's got to be space. It's got to be sci-fi. Like, come on, George Lucas. What do you know about fantasy? It's not actually science fiction. It's more of a space fantasy kind of thing. So, of course, then because George Lucas's name was on it, Intergalactic Music Man, a.k.a. Space Knights, became a space captain on a falling apart ship filled with robots and weird little cute aliens. I say, and Coppola came up with the the final title, right? Of changing it to Captain EO after Eos, the Greek goddess of dawn or light. And then they started assembling like an all-star team. They got Harlan Ellenshaw on effects. You got music by James Horner 
It was edited by Walter Murch, old Lucas buddy. Yeah, and it was choreographed by Jeffrey Hornady um, and Michael Jackson. He did Flashdance, A Chorus Line, Romancing the Stone. Oh, no. <laughs> Streets of Fire, all kinds of good stuff. They originally, for the, the evil witch character, they originally approached Shelley Duvall to play the part. But then when she saw the costume that she was going to have to be suspended in the air, she, <laughs> she didn't want to do it. So they got Angelica Houston involved, who was like probably the only other big star in Captain EO. Finally, in July of 1985, filming begins for Captain EO in California. It films for three weeks and originally had a budget of $11 million. It ended up costing about $24 million. Which is what, twi- twice the cost of the original Star Wars? <laughs> and it's, it's a 17-minute movie. So it breaks down at about $2 million per minute right around there. Which at time, it was the most expensive movie ever made. I guess production dragged on for a really long time. Disney believed that George Lucas was going to be around a lot to kind of rein in the production a little bit. But I guess whenever Disney people would show up, they'd kind of ask, well, where's George Lucas? And he wasn't there. If you've ever seen Apocalypse Now documentary, Hearts of Darkness, with Francis Coppola, he kind of seems to thrive on chaos. And Coppola had never shot anything in 3D. And so the lighting and the camera setup, all that had was kind of being made up as they went. What originally started as something was just going to have 40 special effects shots somehow ballooned into 140 special effects shots. Well, and didn't Michael Jackson like not he wouldn't show him what the dance routines were until the day of shooting. He like didn't want anyone to know ahead of time. So they couldn't really pre-plan the shots. They kind of just had to figure it all out that day on set. Clearly, it was an extremely pleasant, uh, uh, the days we spent on this show were very pleasant. Michael Jackson was uh, a lot of fun to work with. He's like a kid, you know, and, uh, and this was like working with a lot of big toys. <laughs> and George and I had worked many, many times in the past, so uh, I can't think of one argument, really, that we had. Nice family type of situation. On behalf of Kodak, welcome to our Captain EO tribute. To emphasize the drama in this attraction, some parts of the soundtrack are played at high volume. Please do not put on the 3D glasses until you are seated inside the theater. Thank you. Oh, and this time for George Lucas, too. He's Skywalker Ranch has just opened up not too long ago. He's prepping. He's getting Howard the Duck going. It takes a lot of energy. So finally, a rough cut is made, and it's shown to... Disney, and they are not happy at all. Which, by the way, this rough cut is out there on YouTube. You can watch it. We'll post a link to it on our our Facebook page and in the show notes, too, along with the final version. But I guess Disney watches it, and one of their biggest complaints is during the end dance number, there's a lot of crotch grabs and a lot of Michael Jackson crotch thrusts. (laughs) It's 3D. Of course you're going to have that. (laughs) I I agree. (laughs) But I, so I guess Francis Coppola had moved on and he's already working on Peggy Sue got married at this time. So who's left around but George Lucas <laughs> and possibly around this time, Lucas and Walter Murch may have or may not have taken this rough cut and kind of re-edited it and 
most interestingly edited around Michael Jackson crotch thrusts and crotch grabs. <laughs> because, yeah, if you watch the rough cut and then you watch the final version, there's a lot more crotch action. I just like to think of George Lucas and Walter Murch sitting in an editing room together, two old buddies trying to edit around Michael Jackson crotch grabs. That's when Lucas need, he needed digital editing. <laughs> if only there was a faster way to cut out all these crotch grabs. Somebody give me Ben Burt. It was originally planned for release in May of 1986, but in September 1986, it finally opens with a huge event. Every celebrity that matters in the world was there. What is it? Gene Simmons was there. Dolph Lundgren. Eric Estrada. Charles Bronson was there. There's no footage of anyone asking Bronson what he thought of Captain EO. Sure he was dancing in his seat. The shopping mall's gonna go right there. And I loved Captain EO. I thought it was fantastic. I'm glad somebody invent, invited Gene Simmons. I would, if only Paul Stanley was there, too. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was. He was just in disguise. He was in disguise as Michael Jackson, right? Wasn't apparently Michael Jackson was supposedly there, maybe maybe dressed as someone in a wheelchair? <laughs> I suppose somebody saw off to the side an old woman in a wheelchair. And the popular belief is that was Michael Jackson, but... Maybe it was actually Paul Stanley. Yeah, it might have been. People, we got Captain Neo. He's on stage the next night. All right, Toronto. I just saw a movie. <laughs> Mark Hamill was there. George Lucas was there. He did not have a beard. That was the uh, the power of light and warmth from the dance. It blew the beard right off his face. <laughs> or saw those crotch crotch shots. Blew the beard right off his face. <laughs> the all-night editing sessions with him and Walter Murch. You know what, Walter? I'm shaving the beard. I can't take it. Murch is trying to stop him, trying to hold the razor, pull the razor out of his hand. Don't do it, George. You're going to regret it. <laughs> I don't care. I can't take it anymore. Ah! <laughs> and at the big premiere, there was a band that played that was very familiar to Star Wars, right? Yeah, Starship played. They played uh, their hit Sarah, I think. So their connection with Star Wars continues. If it's hot and it's George Lucas, somehow Starship is going to show up. Even though they changed from Jefferson Starship to Starship, they still stayed with Lucas. Sucked the soundtrack to science fiction. Oh, I love it. So Disneyland stays open for 60 hours nonstop just to handle the demand of Captain EO. And in a poll taken, 93% of the people that were there for the 60-hour marathon EO session were there for EO. 60 hours nonstop, all night long. Captain EO's no joke. So when you went to go see it, though, there was like... Fog machines and there were strobe lights and I want to I want to say that like the seat shook but I could be maybe it was just me I don't know no I think they had subwoofers or something like that in the seats right I say didn't they rebuild one of the existing theaters like it was an outdoor theater and they 
turned it into the indoor Captain EO theater? I think it's going to be pretty spectacular. I mean, the guys have done a great job. I mean, they've spent the last six months in this little room slaving away, trying to make all the effects sync up with the picture. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, going to be pretty phenomenal. I think everybody is very excited about the fact that we're doing so many different things. You know, I mean, Michael and Francis and everything are very excited about the idea of taking the 3D concept and pushing it one step further. I think that's what's excited everybody. We've, you know, you gave us the opportunity to build a theater around a movie, and that's never been done before. I will leave you to, is it finished? Is it really going to open in a little while? I think uh, it might. We're right down to the wire, but I think we're going to get finished. Well, congratulations. Uh... I think it's going to be great, and I'll let you get back to work, even though I know you'd rather sit here and talk to me for another two hours. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you get back to work. Okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. It spread all over the world. It played in Tokyo Disneyland. It played in Euro Disneyland. Huge crowds all the time until July 6, 1994. EO finally closed at Epcot Center. In 1996, it played on MTV just once. It's never been released on VHS, DVD, Laserdisc, anything. And then in 1997, April of 97, it finally closed at Disneyland. So there, for a while there, there was no EO anywhere. And EO kind of faded off the galaxy. I don't know. And I still try and mention Captain EO in daily conversation at least once somewhere. I try and always work it in. And I'm always shocked at the amount of people that have no idea what Captain EO is. Yeah, it is kind of crazy for being George Lucas, Michael Jackson, Francis Ford Coppola, how it is kind of disappeared. You would think it'd be a bigger deal. Like you think Spike, Spike TV would be showing EO marathons or something. Or at least, yeah, at least you would think it would be, there would be like a special edition Blu-ray with like a making of or something from Disney. Maybe it'll be on the streaming service. I don't know. Man, maybe it'll be a Captain EO TV show. And you know what? Animated EO would be where it's at. We only got 17 minutes of their adventures. <laughs> it's not like casting Andor. We did get a two-hour movie, and now we're getting more. Right. So in 2009, Michael Jackson dies, and there was private screenings of Captain EO at Disneyland in Anaheim shortly after he passed away. But then in 2010, it comes back in regular rotation in Florida and in Anaheim until 2014, where it leaves to be replaced by what else but Star Wars Path of the Jedi. <laughs> and then in 2015, it left Epcot Center, where I don't know what's playing, where EO once stood. I think it's like Pixar short films or something. And now, once again, <laughs> EO's off the screens, not in our galaxy anymore. Which is a shame because I feel like it's something that should be viewed on the biggest, most 3D ridiculous screen possible. Right. It should get re it should have got the IMAX treatment. They could have just showed it eight times in a row. On behalf of Kodak. Welcome to our Captain EO tribute. For your safety, please do not wear the 3D glasses until you are seated inside the theater. And please do not sit on the steps or floor. Thank you. So what do you say we watch Captain EO 
and do a real quick commentary on the magic. All right, let's say the word. One, one two, a three D D D. Now you got to imagine this opening here with this asteroid coming right at you. This was really cool in 3D. <laughs> well, that's just kind of crazy. With we went through years and years of a big 3D craze at the theaters, and that it would have been the perfect time to re-release this. They could have just put it before another Disney movie. Oh yeah. But I wonder if there's some weird licensing stuff with with because Michael Jackson was involved. If he has some sort of. Well, you got to think too. When Michael Jackson passed away, it was 2009. That was like the year of Avatar. Oh yeah. What are your What are your feelings on uh, these aliens? The two-headed orange bird and uh, Hooter. Well, Hooter. Okay, so watching this. I realize that the Wachowskis must love Captain EO because Jupiter Ascending is like the closest thing to a live action Captain EO movie we've ever gotten. Because <laughs> Hooter is basically the the elephant pilot from Jupiter Ascending. And space roller skates are kind of like dancing. That's, that's true. When Michael Jackson comes up slowly from the basement and his little orange bird flies right up to his shoulder, I I I think that's really cool. That's when you know what you're in for. Listen, the command considers us a bunch of losers. But we're going to do it right this time because we're the best. There was a rumor that Disney wanted to replace Michael Jackson's voice in Captain EO. Because I don't know if anyone wants... What Michael Jackson's voice sounded like? Yeah, they they have never heard him talk. (laughs) But supposedly something when they viewed the rough cut. That was an issue of concern that they wanted a, a tougher, more rugged voice for the person that saves the world through singing and dancing. <laughs> Maybe that's why uh, Charles Bronson was there. They were they were dubbing, trying to dub him in. All right, everybody, we're gonna do this right because we're the best. I'm gonna teach you how to love via the power of music. <laughs> and the shopping mall is gonna go right get there. The map. Where's the map? Who's got the map? Football. Now, okay, this guy, Captain Captain EO's boss, the hologram head with giant eyebrows. Yes. I just started thinking watching this that part of the reason I was instantly drawn to loving the prequels 
is perhaps because it reminded me of EO. It is, yeah. Pretty much Phantom Menace starts out and EO starts out are almost the same movie. Well, and Captain EO's ship is kind of like Dooku's solar sail ship. And the two-headed guys are the, you know, Lucas was trying out the pod racer guys here. Also, I'd just like to add that this whole opening of EO makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> Somebody push the red button! And it makes, if when you watch the rough cut version, it makes even less sense. Because pretty much EO's ship here is like flying through the Death Star trench or something. I don't... It's cool, but I don't know what's going on. Well, that was the neat thing watching the rough cut was that some of the animatics looked like they were actually computer generated, which kind of blew my mind that they were doing some of that in in the 80s. Well, the one weird thing with the rough cut, too, that I don't understand, it ends with the Genesis project from Star Trek 2. The Genesis wave. I need the Genesis device. I did. It was kind of it's weird. I don't know. Dr. Carol Marcus somehow involved in Captain EO. I'm not, I'm not sure what that was all about. So now EO and his ship of weirdos has crashed on the planet that they were going to. Like EO has been sent there on like an assignment, I think, or something to give the evil queen a gift, right? Something, right? So, right, so they crashed right where they needed to go. Did I miss the I missed the rubber egg, didn't I? Oh, yeah. With the, well, it's a it's like a rubber egg that goes on a hologram. No, no. There's another part where they show Hooter falling out of his bed, and there's like a like a fried egg that falls on his shoulder. Well, now that you've found the beacon, take the map, find the supreme leader, and give her the gift. Talking about the supreme leader, and talking about uh, Snoke. I thought of that when I watched it for the first time too. It's like. A Snoketoberfest lives because Captain EO was looking for the Supreme Leader. Man, I really wish we could see if they did any tests of dubbing Michael Jackson's voice. So I can't imagine seeing Michael Jackson with a different voice. I'm sure it happened. Hooter, listen, put it back and let's go. Don't gotta have See now Captain EO is being brought before the evil queen, aka the Borg Queen, which is kind of fascinating. She's exactly almost like the Borg Queen coming down on a bunch of wires and stuff. Yeah. Huh? Every, everybody loved Captain EO. I remember this Angelica Houston as the Evil Queen being absolutely terrifying in the theater because the 3D of her fingers was insane. And she pretty much looks like an H.R. Giger illustration. Yeah. And Angelica Houston is really turning it up to 11 in this. Yeah. She she knew what she was in and played it perfectly. So you got to be pretty outrageous to act against Michael Jackson. <laughs> Trashkin! See you later, Trashkin! And for him! And it's also a period of time, I think, where George Lucas was really into the concept of evil witches. Yeah, because how long after this was Willow? 
uh, just a couple years. Yeah. So you had Battle for Endor, which I think was the same year as this. That had an evil queen. You got an evil queen here. You got Willow. You got the evil queen that was in Tucker. <laughs> to your stupidity. Why have you come To bring a gift, Your Highness. To someone as beautiful as you. You think me beautiful? Very beautiful within, Your Highness, but without a key to unlock it. And that is my gift to you. So, let me see this gift. Not only see, Your Highness, but here. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Now, yeah. So this, this kind of, uh, I started to freak out a little bit watching this part. I had, I didn't know what I was in for when they start transforming. All of Michael Jackson's robot buddies are turning into to instruments. I like that he pulls a microphone out of his head that nobody uses. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Just in case. And his little orange bird is somehow playing like like a stand-up bass or something. Was he playing it or was it just floating on its own? I couldn't tell. Now the evil queens like uh, henchmen, Borg people come out here. And they're like doing some real cheesy Second City level uh, 3D effects. Michael Jackson blasts out his beams of light out of his hands and everybody becomes like solid gold dancers. (laughs) You gotta imagine how awesome these dance things were in 3D. It's just like I keep thinking we need a Star Wars musical and then finally seeing this we really do need a Star Wars musical. I, don't know, I just think it's it's pretty amazing how Michael Jackson and a bunch of solid gold dancers really doesn't seem out of place in a George Lucas movie. <laughs> it all it all meshes together perfectly. Somehow it all makes sense. Yeah. I also really like the idea that if Lucas did like ghost edit this, how many times he had to listen to this song. <laughs> <laughs> he probably he probably just hums this song whenever he's editing anything now. <laughs> he was editing the pod race and he's just singing We are here to change the world Good. It's like come on Ben sing along. I know you saw it. You were you were in disguise as an old woman in a wheelchair, Ben Burton. just like to say uh, even though i already said it when i was like nine eight nine years old in at epcot center 
I thought this was the coolest thing I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, you weren't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> nine-year-old you had good taste. I'm I'm disappointed in nine-year-old me because I didn't see this. Might have changed my life for... My I have a completely different life. I'd be living in space right now. <laughs> on a moon base. <laughs> You'd be a... Uh... John Hurt in contact. Yeah. Want to go for a ride? If somebody wanted to call you, they had to call up your floating spaceship. Okay, now Captain Neo, he tried to escape, and a giant uh, gate fell down. Right, and the uh, the bullwhip guys are coming out. Mm-hmm. The real big baddies. He shoots them with the super light, and they become awesome... Good robots. Yeah, dancing good robots. getting more bored people to become solid gold dancers. <laughs> that, 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 that guy that just came out is my favorite guy with the uh, his he has the best facial expression. Both these guys really. As I think getting to this part I was like I couldn't imagine it getting better than it already was but then there's like a slap bass solo and these robot guys coming out of the walls doing robot dancing. Michael Jackson moonwalks for a little bit so people can cheer. Well, you know, I'm going to say this, too. This, this song isn't bad. I, I'm, not, I'm, not afraid to, I'm not afraid to admit it. No. No, it's good. I would think you would hear this song more. Right. Like, has it ever been on the radio? I don't think I ever heard it on the radio. It should be. The first time I saw this, I thought he was growing giant. <laughs> and I got really, really excited. Because I was like, oh, that's why he wanted to, they were going to make a giant one of him in Las Vegas or whatever. But him flying is cool too. But uh, the idea of a giant dancing Michael Jackson, kind of still hoping for. He just shot his, uh, his beams of love at the evil queen. And now she's being revealed to be... Super friendly Angelica Houston. Now, and in the rough cut, she's got a clear, like, knight sword, and she, like, there's a whole, like, knighting ceremony. Yeah, I wonder why they cut that out. Is it too long? I, don't, I really like it. I don't think Captain EO can be too long. No, I can't believe we're almost done. It moves so fast. I think we should have just played it four times for our for the episode today instead of all that <laughs> chit chat. Now we have a whole nother song, which also has never been played on the radio, and isn't that bad. No. 
And I also like that when Captain EO rips his jacket open, his t-shirt glows. So did they sell that t-shirt at the gift shop? Yes, they did. And I didn't buy it. Because, <laughs> you know, if you bought it, you'd probably still be wearing it. Oh, I try. <laughs> maybe maybe at Celebration Chicago, I'll rock a... Because you, you can buy, like, bootleg versions online. Maybe I'll get myself an EO shirt. There you go. You could. Here's EO's ship. Which is a really cool ship, by the way. We're flying into space. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Well, that's that's Captain Neo, folks. There it was. It lives up to the hype. I feel like a hole in my soul has been filled now that I've seen this. And I'm going to tell everyone I meet that they need to watch Captain Neo. As much as possible. Yeah, it's great. Executive producer George Lucas. It's the most Lucas thing Lucas has ever done that didn't have the name Star and Wars in it somewhere. Yeah, it kind of makes me wish uh, Lucas and Coppola would team up for another singing and dancing space spectacular. You know, those experimental movies that no one's going to watch that Lucas was hinting at all those years ago. Maybe they're going to be close to EO. Only he's the one dancing in them. We're going to post links to the YouTube videos of the full version and the rough cut in the show notes and on the Facebook page and the Facebook group. So gather your family around the computer and save the world with love and dancing. We don't have to wear special glasses to tell. We have glimpsed into the future today and it looks terrific. I have a feeling Captain EO is going to be around for years and years and years. I'll bet you're right. On behalf of the Disney organization, all our guests... Patrick and myself, thank you for sharing this hour with us. We bid you goodbye and hope your dreams come true. Goodbye, everybody. Now, can we go back and see the film? Here's looking with you, kid. Hey, this is actor and creature performer Details from a few of these Star Wars movies set in a galaxy far, far away. And you're tuned in to the Blast Points podcast. May the force be with you. So iTunes reviews, it's been a while since we've done any. Let's get caught up here. Let's read some of the awesome stuff people have written. This first one is all the way from the UK, and it is from KCSB Star, Kabistar, and it's titled Makes Me Happy. Jason and Gabe are the light side of Star Wars fandom. Fun, silly, but very knowledgeable, too. I have learned a lot, but the most important thing I have taken from this podcast is just to be open-hearted about Star Wars content. I went back to the prequels and actually thought they were all right. I'm now going through the whole back catalog of Blast Points, and that is very rewarding. Please keep it up. K. All right. Yeah, thank you. You know, if you're going back to the prequels and you actually thought they were all right, we've done our job. We've done a job. Rick Oli and Captain Typho are doing all the heavy lifting, really. 
Yeah, they're doing the real work. You catch on pretty quick. All right, next we have Perfect Podcast by FD25. I recently found this great Star Wars podcast, and it quickly became my favorite. Such insightful and unique information with just enough humor, plus professional sound editing. I do have one request. Maybe the next time you go on vacation, you could reissue all the pods on the individual movies. Cut out the news part and have standalone episodes on New Hope, Empire, etc. You could also title them with just the movie name. Being new to Blast Points, it has been difficult to search back through the pods to find the movie specific. I think New Hope and Jedi are the only ones that were easy to find. I still haven't seen a pod on Empire. Just a suggestion. Keep up the great work. Well, this, yeah, and this was before we did our Sounds of Empire episode, so. But it is, it's funny, we haven't done too much Empire stuff. Yeah. Well, and we still haven't done a full movie episode on, what, Empire or Sith, right? Are the only two that are left? Someday that will happen. Well, and also, if you go to BlastPointsPodcast.com, at the bottom of a... Episode listing, you can search by the, t- the keywords, too. So it's an easy way to find a lot of the episodes we've done on a certain subject or a certain movie. That is true. But thank you, FD25. I hope you're a droid. That would be cool. Um, this next one is from SW Podcast, and it's titled, If George Lucas Listened to Podcasts, He Would Listen to This One. I, I hope so. I think he listens to podcasts about plaid shirts and white shoes, honestly. But Race cars. 50s music. <laughs> hey, Jason and Gabe. I don't want to just say the usual hilarious deep dive into the weirdest corners of Star Wars awesomeness, but it's true, all of it. <laughs> anyway, I think there is a couple times I've been walking around normally and my brain has almost exploded while listening to Blast Points. Lastly, two quick thoughts. One, if you go to YouTube... And listen to a song called Kylo Ren Sings a Song, You Won't Regret It. Uh, I've never done that, but that sounds intriguing. And please do an all George Lucas Saw Guerrera and Obi-Wan episode. I think I'd become one with the Force. Well, <laughs> you know, I think you might like what's going to come next week. So I don't know. <laughs> we can't, can't promise anything, but we'll, yeah, maybe. Stay tuned next week. Uh, But that's awesome. Thank you, SW Podcast. All right. And lastly here we have As Refreshing as a Glass of Blue Milk on a Hot Tatooine Day by GamerNest9. There's so much needless division in fan cultures these days, especially about The Last Jedi. Blast Points avoids that unnecessary hate and is hosted by two people who actually care about and love Star Wars. The podcast is produced very well, and the diverse choice of topics keeps the podcast from stagnating in the year and a half till episode nine. Thanks, Jason and Gabe. Thank you, Gamer Nest Nine. And thanks for reminding us we got another year and a half to wait till episode nine. <laughs> I forgot about that for a minute. Uh, that's all just more time we can watch Captain EO. It's the way to pass the time. You should leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever. When you're done listening to this, you just go over there, you write something, and we'll read it just like we read all of those fantastic reviews. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank 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 you. Hi, JJ Abrams here. 
On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Check out BlastPointsPodcast.com. Instagram, Twitter, and follow us on Facebook and make sure you sign up for the Blast Point Super Chill Group where you can have Blast Points all the time. Fans posting the best stuff every single day over there on the Chill Group. It's the happiest place on the internet. If Captain EO was on the internet, he would be in the Blast Points Super Chill Group. I think it might become the Michael Jackson Captain EO Chill Group. We, You know, in 2019, we might just stop talking about Star Wars. And I think it'd be a good time to do it, because there's not going to be much going on, and we just might talk about Captain EO every single week. Oh, no one likes Star Wars, so yeah, might as well switch to Captain EO. We can change the world. All right, that about wraps up episode 149 here. Stay tuned next week for episode 150. It's going to be something real special. We'll talk to you then. (laughs) Thanks again, folks. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. anyone saw the sign and misread it and asked to buy tickets to captain ed (laughs) Uh, i love thriller but michael jackson's finest moment was captain ed or they never knew for years like oh man that that captain ed at disneyland was so good (laughs) may the force be with all of you